Hello, and welcome to Sophia Told Me To, a podcast dedicated to watching and discussing every film Sophia Coppola has recommended either on her Instagram page or in interviews in the hopes that I, we, will glean a bit of her genius, taste, and inspiration. I'm your host, Alison Gorski. Welcome to the show. This week, we will be reviewing Daisies, the 1966 film directed by Vera Shatilova. It is a Czech film. I don't even know where to begin talking about this film. There is just so much to say. I can't tell at times if it was over my head or or if it's just so transparent that I was confusing myself, but it was incredible. I do have to admit, I started this film three times before finally watching it. I was turned off initially and thought it would be pretentious and boring, but I'm glad I made the podcast. Otherwise, I wouldn't have given it a chance because I truly did love and enjoy this film. Firstly, because it's fun. It's about having fun and the film itself just encompasses joy. The humor is less haha and more oddball, eccentric. The style is quintessentially 60s, you know, very Bridget Bardot eye makeup, flower crowns, baby doll dresses. It was amazing. <laughs> My favorite part about the film is that it's very self-aware in that it knows it's a movie. So it plays with the boundaries of the medium, which really frees up the audience just as much as it frees the main characters. More on that later. The plot is simple. The movie can be described as a film about two young women laughing, teasing, sunbathing, and eating food. Lots and lots of food. It takes place in Prague. Uh, what more can I say? I mean, there's a lot, but here, here's, I guess, what happens. The opening sequence is of war. Shots are fired and airplanes are falling. It kind of looks like World War II, but given the time period that this was made, I was thinking, is this, you know, Vietnam? I wasn't sure. But also, as the credits go, there's just this long image of a machine, like cogs in a machine rolling as the credits roll as well. And then it immediately cuts to the first scene where the two main characters, Marie 1 and Marie 2, are sitting in bathing suits, kind of lounging outside. Their speech and movements are incredibly robotic. Like when they move their arms, it's like, like they, it really plays with sound in that way, which is actually immediately why I was turned off. I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those movies because it immediately looks more like an art piece, a statement than, you know, a realistic movie. So the two girls are talking in this very kind of robotic, stagnant, boring manner until they have the realization and they have it quite quickly that if the whole world is bad, we'll be bad too. So from that point on, they decide to be spoiled. I took this to mean... To, as a juxtaposition to what just happened uh, to the opening sequence of war, it's kind of like immediately if we're in a world where people are bombing and killing hundreds of thousands of people and killing children, mothers and innocent men, and we're in that kind of world, why should women be at home in their home countries abiding by these archaic expectations, these traditions, these ideas of what a woman should be? I mean, why when the world is so corrupt? Why pretend to be anything but? Why pretend? Why be polite? So they immediately reject that. And they start on this, you know, psychedelic trip of an experience in this movie to rebel. So the very next scene shows Marie 1 and Marie 2 dancing in front of a tree. They're in kind of this field of daisies and 
their flower dresses and their very ornate makeup and hair. And they're dancing in this field around a tree. And the tree has many fruits, many apples. And of course, very obviously resembles the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Once Marie One eats from the tree, they both fall and appear in their apartment. This is the first of many jump cuts. Frequently, they just happen out of nowhere and suddenly we've changed location. Just as this just happened from the girl's apartment to a sun deck to restaurants to cabaret halls to train stations. It's all over the place and you never know. I mean, there's no transition and the transitions kind of occur through things like a tossing of a flower crown or falling into the daisies, like just what just happened. And also these like insane visual collages that rush by in seconds and without warning across the screen. I mean, at one point it was just like tons of butterflies and other, it's, it's always something. And the girls themselves actually collage throughout the movie. They collage lots of things, even ultimately in this one famous scene themselves, like they start cutting up themselves and cut off their heads. And of course, you know, it's not abiding by any sort of realism, but the overall effect is this like with the with the jump cuts and with the transitions of image flying across the screen is just this very dizzying kaleidoscope like you're kind of looking through this world by tilting your head and suddenly you're in a new location the women spend the rest of the film competing for which one is more spoiled using older men for extravagant meals that's actually the the following scene is um, Marie Wine goes on a date with a much, much older man. And that should be noted that all of the men that they that they date are much older. Um, but she goes on a date with this guy and she's sitting there and then Marie too walks in pretending to be her sister. She's like, oh, hi. And then she just completely ruins the meal. Like she orders a ton of food. She orders wine. She's just indulging and being rude. And Marie Wine's like looking at the guy like, I don't know what to do. She's just like this. And then at one scene, she's eating this cream puff and like the, the cream just squirts on the man's face, like kind of looks like ejaculation on his face. And it's so crude and funny and really sets the tone of, ah, so there's going to be a lot of sexual elements in this film. And then Marie One says something like, aren't you going to miss your train? And they take him to his train and ditch him there and like completely laugh. They steal from people who have less than them throughout the film. They steal from a bathroom attendant woman who also makes a comment about age. She says something about wanting to be young again, and she kind of envies the girl's lifestyle. And it's an interesting commentary about, you know, young women kind of taking advantage of their youth and taking advantage of older people by stealing from them, ultimately to just be one day, of course, inevitably the older women themselves. But they steal from her. They steal from um, a working class farmer at one point. And I guess we'll get to a little bit later what I think that might resemble or that while they're indulging themselves and lying to men and acting spoiled that they're also taking from people. At one point they're at this, I think it's like a burlesque club or some sort of thing where they're watching a performance by these two dancers and they proceed to just get trashed. They drink tons of alcohol. They're stumbling all over each other and they eventually get kicked out, but they ruin the dancers' performance and the dancers are getting increasingly annoyed by these two girls that are just demanding attention from everyone. And of course, throughout the film, they are just constantly eating. They're chomping on pickles or they're, and it's, they're, they tend to be these very phallic foods or they're stuffing their faces with these, like, with these meals that these men, older men are paying for at the train station. But there's this one scene where they're just cutting up sausages and bananas 
And while while on the phone is one of their suitors that's like just professing his love for one of the Maries. And they're just kind of disregarding it while they're cutting up sausages and bananas. And of course, you take this to be anti-patriarchy and very feminist. But then they also begin to cut up eggs, which I guess I took to mean the rejection of, of their traditions of what is expected of women and motherhood. And even to further validate that thought, when Marie too gets up and she's like, I've had enough of this or something, she's she's frustrated about something and she starts to drink milk and the milk, she's drinking it too quickly that spills all over her breast and Marie looks at her, Marie too, and looks at her and goes, I think it looks good on you, kind of mocking her in a way. And she immediately gets upset by that. Just again, the rejection of these traditional roles of motherhood. They're just incredibly gluttonous and selfish throughout the entirety of the film they don't care about their actions and how they affect others they're rude and they toy with others to get what they want whether that be food or sex or whatever feeds their hedonistic existence at the end of the film they are presented with the mother load of indulgence an entire dinner feast this like huge decadent table full of food that's kind of in this broken down building that i'm not quite sure how they find they just find it they just kind of stumble into it at one point but once discovering this very obviously carefully planned out meal they decide to destroy it they go about stuffing their faces with everything they can get their hands on wasting the food destroying this elegant feast and it's worth noting that during the time of this film Czechoslovakia was actually going through a food shortage so the censors, when watching this film, of course, they were very angry about all the feminist commentary and, you know, all the things that it encompasses. But um, they ultimately blamed the blaming of this film on its food waste. And this scene is the epitome of that. So after these girls overindulge in all this food, they turn it into a food fight. They throw themselves on the chandelier and begin to swing from it. And then out of nowhere, they're dumped in water. They're just submerged in water, swimming and begging for mercy, begging for help. It reminds me of, you know, the dunking that they used to do to witches. They're saved after begging and begging, promising to be good, and they go back to the destroyed banquet and attempt to clean it up while whispering things about being hardworking and good. And it's kind of creepy as they do it. They're like, we will be good. We will be hardworking. We will be good. We will be hardworking. And it goes on like that for a long period of time. Um, I want to say minutes of just these creepy whispers while they try to clean it up. However, to no avail. I mean, they're putting the plates back together that they smashed that can no longer be fixed. And they're, they're dumping these destroyed cakes back on the platters. I mean, their attempt is just pitiful and doesn't work at all. After they're finished, they're lying on the banquet table, kind of exhausted from all the hard work they've done. And they've promise that they were going to be good and hardworking now, right? This will be good girls, right? And they're kind of trying to convince themselves that this will make them happy, but they you can tell in their faces that they're not intrigued by the idea, but that it's time that they must grow up. And as they're lying there, they face their ultimate punishment, which I won't give away for you. Um, and then the title card across the, the bottom of the screen reads... This film is dedicated to those who have cried over trampled lettuce. Which I take to mean that we should choose our battles wisely, and instead of focusing on petty crimes or disobedience and misbehaviors of the individual, or, you know, the unladylikeness of certain people, 
that we should instead be protesting our government that has put us here, that has put these restrictions on us. The film ends with shots of war, similar to its beginning, and that's it. (laughs) That's what it leaves you with. And you're left there thinking, what the heck did I just watch? It's brilliant. So one thing I forgot to mention but should mention is that the color scheme cannot be ignored in this film. It changes as quickly as the film's random jump cuts. It will go from black and white to different color filters such as blue or red or sepia and none of these color changes or the colors themselves feel deliberate or specific to the film. They don't feel intentional to the scene, rather just used to shake things up and to kind of add an overall chaos to this film. It truly deviates from any conventional movie or piece of film and cinema, and purposely so and unapologetically. It even uses non-professional actors. These girls had never acted before, and the film didn't require them to be trained. The girls were funny, and they pulled off the slapstick elements very well. However, since the film didn't require realism or dramatic acting at any time, I can't really speak to their talent other than they were beautiful and I enjoyed them. The director, Vera Shitilova, is a key part in the Czech New Wave. She is incredibly influential. She grew up under strict Soviet rule in Czechoslovakia and was raised Catholic. So, I mean, no doubt that this upbringing influenced her as an artist and informed her disapproval of the patriarchy and layers of power in her country. She experienced a thorough education and what that was like on a microscopic level. At 28, she was accepted into Prague Film School, becoming the only female student there. Daisy's was her second feature film after graduating film school, and as mentioned earlier, was immediately banned, making it incredibly hard for Shitilova to make any more films in her home country. Her follow-up film, Fruit of Paradise, in 1969, was her last film before the Soviet Union invasion of 1968. After the Soviet Union invasion, it was virtually impossible for her to find work, and she actually resorted to directing commercials under her husband's name. It wasn't until an American festival contacted Shitilova for permission to screen Daisies that she told them they could only get the original cut in two other countries, that she wouldn't be allowed to attend the festival, and that she actually wasn't even allowed to work in her own country. This caused international upset and pressure on the Czech president to allow her to direct again. The pressure worked, and the president permitted Chitilova to make a new film, The Apple Game, in 1976. After the release of The Apple Game, Chitilova was allowed to continue making films, but was continually met with controversy and heavy censorship by the Czechoslovakian government. Despite Daisy's being widely considered a feminist film, and I certainly consider it one as well, Shitilova denied the label of feminist for herself her entire life, and she said she instead subscribed to the idea of individualism, and stating that if a person does not believe in a particular set of conventions or rules, then it's up to that individual to break them. This makes sense, as Daisy's, like we said, breaks most every one of cinema's unwritten rules, not to mention, of course, the characters themselves rejecting what's expected of them. The film definitely caused me to question my own relationship to rules and expectations. You know, I mean, as an aspiring actress in Los Angeles, I'm clearly one that's already kind of going against the grain of traditional expectation and practical career choices or just the, you know, the formula of college, career, marriage, babies, etc. I identify as a feminist. I am a liberal. I am 
not really bogged down by the pressures of convention, really. I, I mean, I feel very privileged to be a position in a position and a time in history where I can create the life I want to live. This movie made me appreciate that. I mean, of course, the patriarchy is still alive and thriving, unfortunately, and we're still at war and our government is far from perfect. We're currently in this amazing political upheaval that's difficult but necessary and we're continuing to fight for equality in this country and i'm so grateful for artists like shitalova who encouraged this type of rejection of the rules back in 1966 a woman who ran so we could walk i have nothing but respect for her and this film and can see why sofia coppola does as well because not only is it a work of art but it's a political film that did a lot for women in the film industry for a 70-minute film, so much is conveyed. You can watch it simply for the delicious style, for the humor. Hell, you can enjoy it for two hot women frolicking around Prague or through the lens of an intellectual. It fully delivers on both ends, and it is sure not to disappoint. Daisies comes together as a perfect mixture of style and substance, a landmark in film history, a feminist and political masterpiece. I really, really can't recommend this enough, you guys. I didn't want this review to tell too much about the, the bizarre small parts of the film because they're just so exciting once they happen and you'll just find yourself laughing out loud. Um, there wasn't too much to give away plot-wise because there isn't much of a plot and I don't feel too bad about telling you about the ending and the feast that they indulge in, but I promise it is worth watching and it is a film you will remember and appreciate. Thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of Sophia Told Me To. I really apologize for the background noise in this episode. I'm filming during the day and I live on a busy street in West Hollywood, so the noise is kind of inevitable during the day. But at night, I really try to avoid that and that's when I normally record. So I apologize for that. For next week, we will be reviewing and watching The Philadelphia Story, starring Katherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart, and Cary Grant, directed by George Cukworth. And I love this director. Another film he made was Gaslight, which is actually not on the Sofia Coppola recommended list, but it's one of my favorites, so I'm excited to watch this. And it's kind of a little bit about a love triangle, and I love the idea of Katherine Hepburn having to decide between Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart, because... God, I mean, it's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, that's what we'll be watching next week. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic holiday season, a great Indigenous Peoples Day. I hope you are being safe if you are traveling during these times. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you. I love you all and have a great week. Stay inspired. Mm -hmm.